Good morning, Solaris 7. Calgary Battletech brings you Season 2 of Uncivil Discourse with your hosts, Brett, Lee, and commentary from Jeff. Welcome back, fight fans, to another exciting season of Battletech, coming at you live, or at least rebroadcast, from Solaris 7. Now, you can watch our matches live and in person every second Sunday at the Ogre's End Gaming Club. That's located at 3220 5th Avenue Northeast. Feel free to pop in and see what's popping. Games start at 10.30 a.m. sharp, local time, of course, and wrap up, dice down at 3.30 p.m., so, the atmosphere is always inviting, and you never know, we might even have a pickup game for you. Last year, we had Jock as our guest commentator. This year, we bring you Jeff, Stablemaster of Riston's Rogues and longtime friend of the family. Uh, you guys are horrible at intros, you know that, right? You didn't say anything about this being season two of the league or anything. Come on, guys, we gotta be better than this. What do you think we don't pay you for? Ah. Uh. I really should have asked for more. All right, fight fans. Like Brett said, we're on to season two, and this is the preseason show for Uncivil Discourse, where we bring you all the scouting and we look at the 23 players that the season is having this year and what they've decided to bring to the table. Plus, you know, we'll add our predictions because, you know, we're, we're great at that. Yeah, yeah. We, 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 well, most of us suck at this, Jeff. I think you're going to do well this year. Um, this season is being expanded up to 10 matches from our original eight with a three-round single elimination playoff, just like last season. Regular season is being random selection, but playoffs will be broken down into three divisions, A, B, and C, for lack of a better nomenclature. So without further delay, let's get looking at some of those lances that have been submitted in alphabetic order by faction. Okay, so representing the Capella Confederation, we have JP returning this year, and his stable is Kondo's Janissaries. His medium is a very popular choice. The 7117 Jumping Jack with a large pulse, two medium pulse lasers, rate TR1. JP has chosen to go with a pair of heavy mechs, the OG Fire Support Archer 2R with twin LRM20s, generating 12 heat and dissipating 10. His other heavy is the rarely seen C-Tsang 9H. Our league has removed TSM, so this mech comes in with a slightly lower BV than normal if you look it up, but it has a blistering 5 ER mediums, 4 ER smalls, and a hatchet moving 696. This is considered to be a quick mech. Rounding out the lance, he has a Cerberus 5M. 4-6 moving, fast for an assault, one gauze rifle and an ERPPC, but backed up by six medium pulse lasers. I gotta say, this lance has a absolutely unbelievable amount of close range firepower, backed up with a pair of LRM20s, a gauze rifle and an ERPPC. It doesn't sound like it's got more close range firepower. When you start doing the math though, 
he is doing a ton of close range firepower. And with those six medium pulse lasers, he's going to be extremely accurate with it too. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be good. I think uh, is, is Archer is probably going to get, I want to say faction tech. I think, you know, we might see something on there to get some stealth armor, perhaps. Um, the the uh, the Sang, Sang, yeah, that's I don't know what his plan is with that, but you know, that's giving him two fast jumpers, uh, at 7.11.7 and a 6.96, and then that Cerberus just to provide fire support, and it's also fast moving. Uh, you know, JP's pretty seasoned, uh, mech warrior, so. I expect good things coming out of this stable. Yeah, I would say either engineering or faction tech on that archer for round one. But beyond that, the lance is quick. It's got lots of close range firepower. It doesn't need a whole lot of any kind of modifications except for that archer, uh, which means he's going to be putting a lot of skills in a lot of points into actual skills, um, stuff like mobile fire or some of the melee skills for that hatchet. Speaking of kids, though, yours is returning for the second season, isn't he, Brett? Yeah, for sure. And he's going Comstar. And then, uh, did he actually take his stable name from the LRM manufacturer Doombuds? He sure did. He was asking about, you know, who are they and what what they do and what's Comstar. And then he was like, you know what? I want to rain missiles. Is there like a missile manufacturer out there? And I'm like, yeah, Doombud LRMs. So that's what he went with. It's not a bad choice. And, uh, you know, Comstar with that C3. So let's take a look at his Lance. So first off, he's going to have that Wraith, not the TR1, though. This is the TR3, which drops a jump jet. So it's only going 7116. Uh, downgrades to two medium pulses to two ERs instead, but comes with that factory fresh improved C3 module, uh, making great range for the, uh, the big boys that are in his Lance, which are starting off. He's bringing a Crusader 3R, twin LRM-15s, two SRM-6s. Uh, it's not the great Crusader that he ran last year, but, you know, he likes Crusaders, so we'll see how this does. He's also got a Highlander with the Gauss Rifle, RM-20, and the C3I. It's a Highlander, you can't go wrong with it. And then, last but not least, the Longbow. So, you know, that's LRMs. <laughs> it's what he's going for this year. And uh, I'm assuming Brett is that uh, is he planning to uh, add C3I to that? Yeah, he's planning on C3ing the whole network into all four of the mechs. Yeah, I'm looking at his lance, and, and I agree, he's doing something very similar to what I'm doing with my C3I lance because you have only two to start with in the C3I network to try to keep the uh, your choices open for the other mechs, and then going to build them in with engineering and faction tech to get them into the group. Uh, I can't say anything against LRMs. I'm a heavy user of them as well. I think Alex is going to do well with this. He's just going to have a little bit of a struggle, I think, with the tactics of making a C3I Lance work when you're going to be running into a lot of people with ECMs. Well, he definitely has some mechs that he likes. He wanted to run an Atlas again because it is his all-time favorite. But the Highlander just does everything it does, but better. Last year, he ran up and played in-your-face style. This year, he's looking to rain Unholy Death down. Good luck, kiddo. 
Yeah, this is uh, this is quite the departure from last season, so it'll be interesting to see how he likes it. And like you say, Lee, uh, it takes a few tricks with the amount of C or amount of ECM we're probably going to see to get that C3I for optimal shots. But uh, you know, LRMs. Some people hate them. Some people like them. It all depends on how you use them. And I think he's going to learn quickly and learn well. He did well last season with how fast he did a turnaround on on his early season struggles to end up placing pretty decent in the overall standings. Our second comp star, Lance, being piloted by Lee and his mass destruction stable. Woot woot! Lee, why don't you tell us about your Lance, your nefarious plans, and how we can make plans to counter them? I mean, yeah, go ahead, take it away. He has no plans. I'll tell you, yeah, do I look like a man with a plan? Uh, so starting off with is a very popular mech that everybody seems to be taking a large number of them. Though mine is the Wraith TR3 with those uh, large pulse laser 2ER mediums and the C3i. Uh, I then matched it up with the Archer 8M, one I really like. It's got a pair of LRM15s with LRM4, three ER medium lasers, an ER large and the heat sinks to fire its long range and then the tick to fire its short range. Uh, the Wraith TR3 is C3I linked, the Archer is not. My sole assault mech this season is my Salamander 5S, with three LRM20s and a couple of SRM, uh, sorry, a couple of ER smalls. Finally, I round that out, a Crab 30, which is the Comstar Crab that has two ER PPCs, a medium, a small, and C3I. It's an interesting lance, you know, that salamander for its uh, um, LRMs matched up with the archer with its LRMs. And then you got your fast moving crab or uh, wraith and the crab. Who who doesn't like crabs? <laughs> if I understand correctly, I believe I believe both you and Heather this year have crabs. Yes, it's something they're sharing with each other. Yeah, we're just making darn good and sure that you guys are all aware that they're good medium mechs. Oh, those crabs, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, not the little, not the little ones, not the creepy crawlies. Oh, and just so you're aware, the reason why I'm aware of Alex's plan on using engineer and faction tech to build in his full stable of C3I is because that's exactly my plan too. My LRM mechs are not linked, but they will be as soon as I have points. It makes a lot of sense, really. Um... Comstar has some great lists or mechs in their list, but not always the greatest ones for bringing in on a C3. Oh, that Salamander. I like that, though. It is my favorite with the three LRM20s. Can't go wrong with that one. Moving on to our only Draconis Combine player, Brandon, one of our father-son duos in the league this year. This gentleman has chosen to bring his stable, named the Donru Tiger Slayers, in light of going after his father. I'm sensing a little bit of rivalry here. From the get-go though, he's bringing out a medium with the Cicada 3G, so slightly different from what Steven ran last year. This version has the ER large instead of the ER PPC, and it's backed up with a pair of medium lasers, but also brings in the new Beagle Active Probe, which in the league is gonna be quite handy for shutting down those ECMs. For his first heavy choice, he's going with the Orion MC, that's the MRM20, MRM30, LB10, and a C3 slave unit to start. <laughs> that's a lot of missiles, folks, in one unit for a heavy. 
his assault is going to be the Battle Master K3. It's packing the C3 Master, which you'll need to run his network, and a lot of long-range guns in the form of two ER large lasers, an ERPPC, four ER meads, and a Streak 6 for close support. It's a well-rounded mech. Uh, but to round out that lance is a final heavy in the Warhammer 8D. Uh, it's one's, you know, your typical Warhammer. Two ERPPCs, two Armeads, two ERSpals, a Streak, and a C3 Slave. Yeah, he's definitely starting out with a three mech network. So he's the only network that's starting with three. Hopefully that'll give him a little bit of an advantage. Both Comstar players are starting with two, two unit networks. So... Brandon's only going to have one mech that he needs to modify in. This will save him some points in the long run. The Battlemaster is a nice platform for the Master. Uh, it is solid, reliable. It only has 36 heat sinks. Um, so if it's firing all three of those main guns, it could be in a bit of a problem. But I like it. Cheap technician, skill on the Kakata. And by game three, he's rocking a full network as well. That's pretty impressive and may make a big difference. Especially since he's already got that ECM, or sorry, the Beagle Probe there to counter the ECMs and turn them off. Yeah, I'm really actually impressed by this Lance having a good look at it. Um, we all know how much the League absolutely despised Steven Sakata last season. It was just too accurate and too uh, it was too quick to ignore. You had to deal with it. Now, his choice of bringing three in the system to begin with is a really smart idea. It's going to really help him out in the long run. It really is going to be up to everyone else to be able to try to figure out how to shut him down quickly and early. And everything else is just solid. Three ERPPCs, an LB-10X, an ER large laser. He's got range and he's got the uh, backup weapons to protect the Battlemaster K3 from anybody who tries to jump in and shut down the entire system at once. Yeah, it's it's a pretty good mix of mechs. Um... You know, the Battlemaster is decent on armor. It's not the greatest with all the stuff it's packing. Um, but, you know, it's still a Battlemaster. Uh, and I expect we'll probably see Clan Salvage on that Cicada for the ER Large. But I would be not too surprised if he used it on something else, really, in the end. And it saves him a ton. Clan Salvage, ER Large Laser, automatically the... M the uh slave unit in he doesn't have to sacrifice anything to get more range more damage for the same amount of heat it's almost like a no-brainer heather has returned this year and she's representing the free roslog republic as her namesake blitzkrieg jezebels as you guys said earlier she is starting off with crabs well a crab a crab 27b it's got a pair of er large lasers uh, ER medium and an ER small, I believe, as well. It moves 5.8. Can really reach out and touch someone, considering the fact it dissipates something like 30-some heat. This thing doesn't overheat until it takes two engine hits. It is actually a really solid mech. Uh, she's pulling in the Marauder 7S, which is an upgrade of the 5S, whose biggest problem was ammo. It only had one ton of ammo for its gauze rifle. This one has two. It's coming out with a gauze rifle, two ER PPCs, twin medium X pulses. It's a great fire support mech and with mountain earring because of her faction tech free skill or faction perk free skill. It's going to be able to get to where it wants to, to be able to support the rest of the team. And with two tons of gauze rifle ammo, it's going to be able to stay in the battle a long time before it has to start to join in. The Zeus 9S 
Laura ran one last year, so it's not the first time we've seen a Zeus in the league, but it's a little bit less common choice at 80 tons. With an ERPPC, an ER large laser, an LRM-15 with only a single ton of ammunition, it moves 4.6 but has a standard engine and only one ton of ammo for that LRM-15, so it's got a limitation on that weapon, but it's basically a zombie. It's got case, standard engine, it's going to be really hard to kill without a headshot. The star of the stable, for sure, is going to be her Grasshopper 6K. She's using her free Resolock faction upgrade to give it five medium X pulses, an ER large laser, and a Streak SRM4 moving 464 and a standard engine. It dissipates 32 heat, I believe, so therefore it doesn't even heat up when it fires the five medium X pulses, so people have really got to get nervous when she gets in close. You know, I can make a comment about crabs, but it's just, it's too easy. It's far too easy. You know, we'll it, leave that in the family. <laughs> it's a great crab variant. Yeah, it's really good. The Marauder 7S, you know, the fact that it's got the two tons now, it's it's perfect. Um, the Zeus, it's a little light on armor. Uh, it's not the best of the assaults, you know, um, but the, it has potential. Like you say, it's already somewhat of a zombie to start with, with Case and that. Um, it definitely needs an extra ton of armor, or sorry, ammo for that LRM, I think. But, uh, you know, it, it, could, it has potential for stuff. That Grasshopper 6K, though, that, you know, with five medium X pulses... I'm a sucker for a grasshopper. They've all have standard engines for the variants that we're using. Um, you know, this one has double heat sinks, so those X pulses should have no problem. Uh, you know, it's it's an all-around great mech. I, I really like it. The it's a smart choice to upgrade the X pulses on the medium pulses to X pulses on that for her faction upgrades. So I think it's gonna do good work for her. Yeah, I really like the Lance. The Marauder already started with X-Pulses just on the stock variant. The Grasshopper picking up the free upgrade means that she's got lots of close-in firepower. The Zeus is probably the weak link because it is a little light on armor, but it has options that you can move around or if she doesn't like it, she can always switch it out later. The Crab is quick, but there's only one jumper in the Lance and that's the Grasshopper. Depending on the maps she pulls throughout the season, that may be detrimental. But if she gets all good maps that don't need all of that mobility, she's got lots of groundbound mobility. So good on her, good choices. I'd like to see how Heather places this year. So continuing on with another new member to this season, we have Will, our second FRR player, coming in with the stable Oni Stormriders. The mechs in his stable this year are going to be starting off with a Wolverine 7K. That's the large pulse, medium pulse, small pulse, and twin SRM6s going 585. Probably one of my favorite Wolverine variants. Following that is the Archer 5CS with four, that is correct folks, four LRM15s with Artemis 4. It's a crazy number. It's glorious. Uh, he also has the Hatamoto. 27U, which is the two PPCs, four medium pulse, which he's upgraded to X pulses, with a standard engine, backs armor, and he's also taken the Mountaineer skill on that mech as his free choice with the FRR. Last but not least, 
His second heavy mech is the Nodachi 2KC. 5.8, sword, 6 medium pulse, large pulse. It's fast, has a lot of firepower. Uh, it's a pretty close in fighting mech. So it's, you know, it's gonna get in there. It's gonna tear things up. Um, overall, I like I like this mech, or this lance. It's It seems like a very well-rounded lance. Um, the Hawamoto is, is a decent, Assault mech, you know, two, two, two PPCs and four medium X pulse. A little light on guns when it comes to some of the assaults out there, but uh, I think it'll still do well. Great honor to have this gentleman in league. The Army Painter Studios owner, Jeff, is bringing some pain using some free Worlds League technology. He gains the stable name of Kells Keshik. And, as always, wait for it, Wraith TR1. I think there's five of them in the league this year. Backing that up with a twin gauze rifle Avatar G with two ER medium lasers as with using his free upgrade. On top of that, a king crab. So we're not the only ones with crabs, guys. Jeff has some too. And they're bigger and nastier. And his king crab is mounting the two AC-20s, large laser LRM-15, Unfortunately, with only one ton for each weapon, so two tons total for the AC-20 and one ton for the LRM-15, this mech is basically a zombie, a one-gun zombie. I don't 100% agree with that. I'm reading the notes Brett handed down to me because just like the EBL, I think the King Crab is tough. It's just not very good at endurance throughout the battle. And we're going to see another Marauder here with a 464. Mountain two large pulse lasers and OB-10X and two medium pulse lasers. I like this lance. It's got some very good heavy hitting weapons, especially with the Avatar G variant with the twin gauze rifles. The Wraith is gonna be a pain in the butt jumping around 7-11-7 with those pulse lasers. And you got a Marauder running around in there, throwing out its two large pulses as well. Not gonna be a lance to ignore. Uh, I know exactly what's gonna happen with the King Crab. It's gonna get a lot better. Um, you know, the Wraith is great. The Avatar is good. Uh, I'm kind of slightly interested that he picked that for his free ER large uh, laser upgrades. But, you know, I guess if that's the only thing. Uh, the Marauder, it's a good variant. Um, two large pulse lasers with the LB and then two medium pulse lasers. It's it's a good all-around fighter. Uh, but that crab, when he's done with his, it, is gonna be, um, is going to be quite nasty. That king crab is definitely the deficient part of this lance. Uh, it is going to get the crap engineered out of it. It is going to step up and then become the centerpiece of the lance, I think. Um, he has put days and days of work into this, not just in painting, but in planning and thinking about it and over planning and overthinking about it. I think it's going to be a good time for him and he's going to have a good, good season this year. The second Free World League player is a good friend of Jeff's, someone we're unfamiliar with, but Jay is bringing his Lords of the Underworld to the Calgary Battletech League. This is the first player to bring a Night Sky 4S, but not the only one. 696, large pulse, two medium pulse, and a hatchet. This is Season 2's Wolverine 7K. We're going to see a bunch of these. He's also bringing a Perseus 1D, first Omnimech we see. LRM-20, Artemis-4, LB-10X, SRM-6 with Artemis, two ER-mediums, and ECM, and a Beagle Probe. 
this is pretty much everything you could want in a mech in a league setting with C3. He also has the big intimidation factor, distraction card effects, Berserker A3, 100 tons of charging goodness. 4-6 with mask making it up to 8 move. Two large pulse lasers, an ERPPC, and a hatchet. For his fourth mech, he's bringing a second heavy. Black Knight 7, going old school. Two large lasers, one PPC, four medium, moving 4-6, but only 75% armor coverage. Uh, you know, I like this lance. It's it's fun, right? The Berserker, it's not a great assault mech, but it's hilarious, and I'm really hoping he hits somebody with that hatchet this year at least once or twice. Um, Black Knight, all-around solid mech. It's light on armor coverage. That's about it. Perseus is, you know, it's got everything you need. Um, and the Night Sky, you know, as somebody who's taking one, um, it's good. I like it. Yeah, my breakdown of this lance is very similar, Jeff. Um, the Berserker has the terrifying factor of a 100-tonner moving 8 hexes. If he can fit in an 8-hex charge, it's an 80-point charge. Who cares about the hatchet at that point? But if he can bring in that hatchet to bear on somebody, it's a pretty massive hit. A 20-point hit, lo any location on the mech, it's going to knock people over. It's just got to actually get into position where it can do it. Um, I know I'm causing grief, and I'll probably hear it in the comments. I don't like the Black Knight, guys. I just don't. It's too hot. It does. It moves okay, but that 75 armor coverage... I think the Flashman's a better mech. The Black Knight's okay, but the Flashman and the Black Knight, in my opinion, are really limited on armor. Um, they bring too much weapons to bear as well for its heat ca capacity. The Night Sky, I, I can't complain about it. It is a f solid, solid mech. And the Perseus is a great mech as well. It, there's no changes that need to be done with that mech to make it effective in Calgary Battletech League. Anybody want to you know, smacked me back down on my Black Knight comment? Uh, I beg to differ on the Black Knight, you know, uh, especially with it only needing a single use of Engineer to give it double heat sinks, which then brings down its heat factor um, and, you know, takes care of that armor factor. So it's an easy fix on a mech that's great. As somebody else who's bringing a Black Knight this season, it can use some attention. But if you're short on points and you got elsewhere to go, it can walk onto the field and perform just as is. All right. All right. I'll give you guys your opinions on it. We'll see how he does throughout the season, but good luck. Another one of our returning players, Gary, he's coming back this season representing the Fed Suns with his Red Sun Irregulars. Really happy to see some hereditary names coming in. It builds up the lore and makes some of those iconic teams that people are going to want to play. Now let's see if he has a bit of a better year now that he has his virgin season out of the way and knows how we roll the dice here a little bit better. His tactics were sound, overall game knowledge was good, but League is competitive and it can take a little bit of learning. Now his Lance and Mech choices are really solid. He's bringing in a Phoenix Hawk 3PL, which I know is Jacques' favorite version of this mech. It's a large pulse laser, two medium pulse lasers with a targeting computer moving 696. It already starts off with a minus three to hit. 
And this means it basically doesn't need any gunnery adjustments, saving some points for other types of skills. This couple of mobility skills would make this lance pretty dead or that mech pretty deadly. You got the Thunderbolt 9SE, 464 jumping, large pulse laser, LRM10s, and some mediums. Anything that I believe the Ir Iridani Light Horse uses, pretty hard to argue with there as well. And the first of the Banshee's 3Ss, amazing we've got this far without seeing any others, we now see it here. It was popular last year and it's proving a popular again this year, and you know there's a good reason for it. It's a stupidly solid mech using basic tech so it's easy to upgrade. Rounding off his lance is the Twin Rack Attack 5s. Rack 5s on a Rifleman. It means nobody's going to be laughing at it. Or if they do, they won't be laughing very long. I know Matt, with his pilot cat, is super jealous they don't get to bring their version of the Rifleman in this season. So he'll be having to live vicariously through Gary. I think he's going to do well this year. His rules and tactics knowledge has moved way up. I think Gary's going to be very happy with his standings at the end of the year. Yeah, I, I like that. You can't argue with that Phoenix Hawk, really, right? Target computer and pulses. You know, it's there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, the Thunderbolt, solid mech all around. Um, the Banshee 3S, I can't complain at all. I took it in Season 1. I'm taking it again in Season 2. Um, it's super easy to modify that mech into something that's even scarier than what it already is. Uh, the Rifleman... You know, even with twin rack fives, it's still a rifleman in my eyes. Um, they're they're not the greatest, but who knows? I hear this year they banned alcohol, drugs, and all other forms of recreational activities, trying to get better performance out of the pilots. I'm not sure I'd want to be a part of this stable, but the rides sure are nice. That Phoenix Hawk 3PL, it does everything a night sky does, but just a little bit better because it doesn't have that hatchet, and it swaps it for a target computer. Thunderbolt, can't go wrong with a Thunderbolt. The Banshee, minimal changes, and it's amazing. Put in some major work, and it becomes awesome. And if you're going to go with a Rifleman, there's only two choices. There's the two LB10s, or there's the two Rack 5s. Uh, I'm super happy to see this, and I think Gary's going to do well. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys. Like uh, I'm, like I said, this is a good lance. I think Gary's going to be very happy with the way things work out. Yep. Just remember, Gary, five spins, never six. Three is okay. Five is good. Never six. All right. Next up on our list is another one of our newbies. Uh, we have Justin, the Jolly Giant. This man towers over everybody. And I just mean that in height. Uh, he's going to be bringing up his stable, the Tin Min's Tin Cans, also a Fed Sons player. So starting off with his lance, we have the Enforcer 4R, AC-10, large laser, 464. You know, it's it's not the greatest mech out there. Um, it needs love, is what it is. It's, it's an older mech, but it still checks out. Uh, the next one, you know, we have the Warhammer 9D. This is an expensive mech. 2152 on the battle value chart you know it's it's a good chunk of his lances points uh it's giving me the twin erppcs two er mediums going five eight with three jump jets and a targeting computer it's a lot of ballot value packed into that thing but we'll see how he does with it following that we have his assault which is the battlemaster 3s 
this one replaces the PPC with an LRM20, doing potentially twice the damage at the range. And when you get close enough, you have four front-mounted and two rear-mounted medium pulse lasers and an SRM6 to round it out, making this one quite dangerous up close. Though speaking of LRMs, he's got the Longbow 12C, packing two 20s and two LRM15s, all with Artemis. You know, this is, if you want a fire support mech, you can't go wrong with something that's got this many missiles on it. Um, outside of the Enforcer, I think this Lance has some great fire support and some great, you know, reach out and touch somebody power with that Battlemaster, you know, guarding everything. Um, will be interesting to see if he replaces the Enforcer with something else or if he just upgrades it. Yeah, I, I'm looking at the Lance and I'm I'm trying to find weak spots in it. And I'm having a hard time seeing a lot. It's got a lot of long-range firepower. Nobody is sitting back trading shots with this mech. Or this Lance. Um, that Warhammer's got a nice early, early uh, advantage with that target computer, bringing those two ER PPCs in tighter. Um... The Battlemaster 3S has never been my favorite. Uh, the LRM20 is great. I'm an LRM fan, but I really think the PPC just just does the Battlemaster justice. Um, it's so heat efficient and quick that it can use the PPC to charge in and then use its collection of medium lasers and SRM6s. I think you just have to get a little too close in with the four medium pulse lasers, to which makes the LRM20 completely pointless at that point. Not if you can salvage it. Yep, absolutely. And that could be one of the ways he fixes it. The Enforcer 4R, eh, it's an okay mech. I've never been an Enforcer fan. It's just, for whatever reason, the weapons loadout doesn't do it for me. But it could do him well. He can upgrade, of course, or he might just uh, play around with this thing and make it a star of his lance. I think you're right, though. The Warhammer probably is going to be the star. At a third of the BV, it needs to be. Um, all of the mechs are good, except for the Enforcer. The Enforcer's not bad. But it clearly needs to be either chassis upgraded, reassigned, engineered. It needs some love. Uh, otherwise, it's going to hold back the other three. You can't go wrong with the longbow. It is just so much fire support. I like that Battlemaster. The 20 is a surprise for people when they're like, oh, I'm getting shot with 10 points at range. Nope, LRM 20 coming in. And I was unfamiliar with this Warhammer. I looked at it and I'm like, okay, twin PPCs, twin ER meads. Cool, yeah, not a problem. Targeting computer, yeah, okay. And then I noticed, oh, it's 5.8. Oh, well, that makes it even better. And then I noticed, oh, it's got three jump jets. Oh, well, that makes it even better. Now I started to see where all the BV came from. It's going to be a good Lance. Uh, him and his son are going to have a good time playing this year. And we look forward to having them uh, joining us. The last of our Federated Sons players, Mother of Alexander... Laura's bringing a fantastic group of mechs that really lay down some Thumper's Revenge. Being the first FedSons player to send her Lance in, she is by no means copying Gary, but they are both bringing fantastic Phoenix Hawk 3PLs. Showing off the FedSons love of the technology, her Thunderbolt Nace is moving 5.8, Rack 5, 3 ER mediums, slave to a target computer, with a Streak SRM6 to back it up. Oh, and did we mention it also has ECM? What more could a girl ask for? To lay down some fire, she's bringing a pair of missile boats. The 80-ton Salamander, uh, not the one that you like, Lee, but she's bringing the one with two LRM-20s with Artemis, and an SRM-6 with Artemis for close-in protection. 
And she's bringing one of your other favorite mechs, a Stalker 3H, a pair of LRM20s, and a pair of SRM6s with four medium lasers for backup. Seems like my family is throwing missiles this year. Not sure what's going on there. Maybe they talked to each other, had a plan. Well, I played both of them. I beat both of them. It could be because they really enjoyed how how my missiles were working. That being said, I gotta say, I like her Lance a lot. That uh, Thunderbolt's gonna be a bit of a scary mech. I'm looking at it, and once again, early battle advantages with that targeting computer on her Thunderbolt. I, I can't even say anything about the Phoenix Hawk 3PL. We all know how good it is. And the Salamander and Stalker paired up. 80 missiles long range and 18 missiles short range with a bunch of medium lasers from the stalker those two stand shoulder to shoulder i don't see anyone going anywhere near it you can't stay back from them to ignore them it's going to be a tough lance to deal with i'm super impressed with what she came up with um she had a couple of people that were giving her suggestions but she was very firm and said i'm gonna take what i want to take but thank you for feedback no, this is this is a well put together Lance. Um, you know, Laura's played in the league multiple years, and uh, this is this is her showing that she knows what she needs to do to you know win games, and that she knows what her mech choices are and how she wants to play them. I think uh, I think that Salamander and Stalker pair are going to be you know stand them close to each other to be able to support if anything gets close. But you know, that's going to rain all those missiles down. That's going to be quite nice. It'll be really solid, especially with all that Artemis. Yep, definitely. And then, you know, four, three SRM6s, and then uh, those medium lasers when stuff hits close. Uh, <laughs> you can't go wrong with a Thunderbolt all this, so, you know, like you said, showing the Fed Suns with bringing two targeting computers right off the bat is, um, it's just save points for gunnery skills, really. So... Going on to the first of our two champions from last season, we have the champion of the B-side from last season. Aaron has some really high expectations this year to fill, especially with his B-side brawlers and his overwhelming need to smack talk. Buzz, buzz. <laughs> so, moving with the herd, he's got a Night Sky 4S. It's good enough. How can you possibly complain about it? Returning from last year, we see the Archer 5S with twin LRM-15s with some close range in support. It's a solid addition to any Lance. When you need to bring the pain, it's got a Nightstar 9J coming in. Does a pretty darn good job of cleaning up entire Lances on its own with a pair of gauze rifles and ERPPCs. It really can reach out and bad touch you. And as always, Embracing the LRM life like everyone in League should, Aaron has brought a mech you don't see too often. The dreaded Adam Steiner's Axeman 2N-464 with a hatchet, large pulse lasers, and twin LRM-15s. If it can't cannot hit you with its axe, it will pepper you with missiles. I think this lance is great. It's got a lot of mobility. Got a lot of good guns in it. Uh, but it's Aaron. His name says it all. B-Side Brawlers. Good luck, buddy. I hope you do well this season. Lee, why are you complaining about the B-Side? That used to be your home for so many years. Because they've stalked the A-Side with you jerks that wouldn't let any of us in. 
hey, you just needed to pay the membership fee, and you know it just wasn't happening. No, his uh, his mechs are good. Um, the only one I don't really like that much is the Axeman, but you know, ah, you gotta put something with that Night Star, which eats up so many points. Um, Archer, it's an Archer. I like Archers, always have, always will. Night Scar, um, you know, four or six nine six with pulses. It's uh, it's a good mech. It does what it needs to do. I think Aaron's gonna do quite well with this lens this year. Especially if he gets his kid to roll his dice like he did last year. Oh, yeah. I almost wonder if that's got to be a rule that we don't allow. The kid luck. Oh, you mean with the fact that you used it so often when you used to bring Alex to games? Oh, yeah. Just a baby? <laughs> For sure. I got my years in. It's been done. It's out. But no, speaking of the Lance, there's nothing I don't like. Um... The Axeman is a little bit of a conundrum because you've got some close range firepower and an axe that you want to be rock walking up and hitting people with, but it's got two other M15s. So you're like, well, my main firepower is actually at long range. It's a nice balance that allows you to do both ways, but it means that you could also have some indecision of how he's going to run with it. Or, I don't know, maybe he engineers it and replaces the LRMs with SRMs would be a nice change i think you can get it up to 585 too oh that would be vicious Ooh, yes it would but speaking of heavy metal our next stable chris m is returning and he's transitioned to the frr or sorry from the frr to the larian side of things but you know he's kept his name true and he's coming in with his stable this year vandell's valkyries and they are bringing all kinds of firepower, mostly in the LB variant. So starting off his Lance, he's got the Hunchback 5S, light, L light engine, LB20. Um, you know, it's an LB20, what can you say? You punch holes with the big one and then you punch even more holes with, you know, the shotgun. Um, it's, it's an LB, or it's a Hunchback with light engine and LB. It's, you know, it's like, it's good. Does what it needs to do. Um, then next we see the Axeman, another Axeman, I should say. Uh, however, this one's the 1N, it's the AC20 version. I'm, I'm guessing he's probably going to engineer something with this. I would guess he swaps it out for the 3S with the LB20 and the light engine. Uh, it's entirely possible. Um, I believe that. I, and that would be a good move. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like I said, he's, he's going hard with the LBs this year, which going on with that, his assault night star 9 ss ultra 20 lb 20 <laughs> don't let this thing get close it's gonna put big holes in you uh and to back all of that up the worst mech known to man when it comes to assaults in some cases loved by some hated by most the annihilator 2a with four lb 10s you know if you absolutely positively have to sandblast something bring this um, I, it's, hey, listen, it, it, it has firepower, you know, it, there's nothing can be said against that. It has firepower. And, um, the only issue I see is it's, it's a very slow lance. There's uh, nothing too quick. And, um, I don't think any of it jumps right now. Does Axeman. it? Oh, does the Axeman jump? Yeah. 
but yeah, no, I think this is going to either put giant holes in things or sandblast everything. I, I'm looking at this and I can't believe how much autocannon 20s he fit in one lance. I'm looking at the Hunchback 5S with the light engine and the OB20X. I think that's going to do some serious work for him and it can't be ignored. Like nobody ignored uh, Alex's version of this. Um, the Axeman with the autocannon 20, even if he never does anything else to it, it's a solid mech. If he does decide to upgrade it, I do think the version with the LB20X is a great idea too. Gives him more range and other options for, for fire. And when you're jumping, you can use that cluster shot to offset that. The Nightstar 9SS. If this Lance sees a city, I am terrified for their, their his opponents. He's just going to lambast people. And while the Annihilator 2A is not the fastest mech, doesn't have the best armor, it only has to get into position and then just park because you've got three other mechs in front of you throwing autocannon 20s at you and that knight star firing the equivalent of an entire lance of autocannon 20s at you. It's it's not going to need to do anything and it's not going to get shot until the end of the battle when hopefully everybody's full of holes. He, he could seriously surprise people. And look at the EBL. That Annihilator 2A on the EBL's side is kicking butt, just raking in kills. I like the Lance. I like the fact that it's got just so much autocannon love. Um, he really is leaning into the Lyran love of big guns, heavy stompy robots, and just bring the pain and grind you down. I think he would have a blast if he gets on the low G map. That's one of our customs this year, as everything speeds up. But if he ends up pulling the high gravity map, that Annihilator is going to be stuck and not go anywhere. It's going to have to jump every turn just to get moved. <laughs> I would... Chris, avoid the custom maps. Just from me to you, man, avoid the custom maps and I think you'll be fine. I think you're going to do great. I, I, I just can't wait to hear the first time you catch somebody with both Ultra 20s and that LB20X in the same turn. I got hit with four auto cannons. this... AC-20s this turn. Oh my god. <laughs> my mech just fell to pieces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the only thing I would have liked to see is the, you know, in the Axeman, instead of the AC-20 version, I, I think I would have liked to have seen the Heavy that had a bit of longer range firepower just to back up some of the stuff when it was closing, right? Yep. Yeah, I think I think he's just going to have to use the terrain and, and skirt the enemy so that they've got to have hard shots until he can really charge into medium and short range. But once he is in there, like I said, in a city, he's going to be brutal. No, oh, yeah. Man. He's walking straight up the field, just shoulder to yeah. shoulder. <laughs> I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. Yeah, God help you when I do. Uh, nice pick, Chris. You're going to enjoy your season, I think. Our host venue, the Ogre's Den, has actually sponsored a team this year, and they're throwing to the Wolves Calvin, but he's pulling a pretty solid lance. He's bringing his mercenaries straight out of the back room and laying some smack down with the War Club stable. He's bringing the Night Sky 4S. Anybody surprised? And he's throwing the uh, mercenary bonus of a clan tech upgrade to clan up its large pulse laser. It's going to be fairly reliable and a threat that can't be ignored considering the fact it doubles the range of the pulse laser. We saw a Grand Dragon 
5K last year, fielded by the Kinder Killer Bunnies. It's very quick with a PPC and an LRM-10, which means it can run around the battlefield, but can still reach out and touch you when it wants to. And God help you if it gets on your feet when it's kicking and punching. Now, living the thug life, we see a Thug 10E with a pair of PPCs and two SRM-4s. I don't think it's got a lot of stuff in it to protect those SRM-4s, but we'll see what happens. If it's got case, it's definitely going to be a pain in the butt to kill. And when a thug just isn't quite thug enough, we have the Devastator 2. Two large lasers and twin AC-10s that are a very solid, solid pair of weapons, systems to link together, same ranges, same everything else. It's going to be a tough, tough mech to drop. All in all, I think Calvin's going to do well this year. I saw him rolling some dice and they were looking awfully good. His numbers and rules knowledge is really solid. The Grand Dragons, eh, we'll see how well that works out. And he kind of went low on the tech for the, his three mechs, so we'll see how that uh, plays out in the long run. Uh, yeah, it is It is kind of interesting, you know, that um, there's not a lot of advanced tech mechs in there outside of the night sky. Um, Grand Dragon, it's it's just a better dragon. You know, it's got that PPC in the Iron 10, so it's not bad. It's uh, it's maneuverable. The Thug, um, I don't know. I like the Thug in principle. I just find it's, it's, it's like a wannabe Warhammer almost with more armor, but not as many guns. And the uh, the Devastator 2, though, that'll be that'll be nice once it, you know, he either upgrades it or engineers it. But even then, it's still decent with two large lasers and two AC-10s. Ah, uh, the thug. The, the awesome that thought it was a Warhammer. I just have no respect for this mech. I know there's people that love it. Um, it does have a bunch of armor. It does have two PPCs. It's got no case for the SRMs, though. Um, so initially, it's pretty susceptible to the ammo going up. But I know that uh, Calvin is bringing mechs that he enjoys, that he likes. Um, so at the end of the day, play what you want. Play what you're going to have fun. And that's all that matters. I don't think his list is going to hurt for anything. The Night Sky has lot, got lots of room to reach out and be mobile and still do damage the devastator mckenzie ran it last year and it did nothing but good things um that devastator pretty much killed my lance uh so even if the rest of the stuff doesn't pull its weight that devastator will the grand dragon it's speedy like it starts off it is a good platform to build on i think he has a plan and i think we just don't know what it is it's going to be uh fun to see what the war club comes crashing down on this year and and when it comes right down to it 10 points of damage is 10 points of damage 10 points of damage doesn't matter where it comes from whether it comes from a ppc an autocannon 10 an er ppc uh lb10x it really doesn't matter so it doesn't have to have upgraded tech the grand dragon i think is a little bit bad on heat and the thug without case is a bomb waiting to happen because I don't think it has a lot of criticals in its torsos protecting those ammo bins. Um, otherwise, it's a good lance. It's going to be really solid. And like you said, that Devastator with twin large lasers and twin arcan 10s may not have a pair of gauze rifles and a pair of PPCs, but it's still throwing out a significant amount of damage. All right. Another returning player, Chris C, coming in hard and fast with his Merc Lance, the Parker's Pathfinders. 
uh, he's taken you know a lot of advice this year, and he's uh, he's made quite the list this the uh, you know first lance. So starting off that is going to be the Wolverine 7K, large pulse, medium pulse, small pulse, twin SR arm six, five eight five. Like I said before, one of my favorite variants for the Wolverine. Um, so I think it'll do good things. Next up, you have the Grasshopper 5N. Now, normally this is a PPC with five medium lasers going 464, 22 single heat sinks, and a standard engine. Chris, though, has used his clan salvage upgrade to clan the ERPPC. So now that's going to be jumping around, delivering 15 points. You know, not only is this thing a zombie, but now it has some great firepower. Even with those single heat sinks, it's still going to be able to fire that and jump, no problem. Backing that up though, we have the Nightstar 9J, twin Gauss rifles, ERPPC. What can you say? It's two Gauss rifles and an ERPPC. You stand it back somewhere and you fire them and you just fire. It's, it's a great mech for an assault mech. The only thing now is he's gone with the Centurion 10B, LB10, LRM10. You know, it's not the worst one out there. It's 4.6. Um, it's so it's a little on the slow side, and it is only a 55 tonner. So it's it might have a little tough fight, you know, with some of the other lances we're seeing. Uh, outside of that, though, I think Chris has a good solid foundation with the with this lance. That you know, even if he decides to change out that Centurion. The rest of them are great to work with. Yeah, I see where you're going with a lot of your thoughts there, Jeff. I, I've, I'm seeing a really solid thing now. To be honest, the Nightstar 9J scares me more than the Banshee, the Atlas, the Imp. A lot of the assault mechs we see bringing out, I'm not nearly as terrified of them as I am the Nightstar 9J. You have such a huge damage potential at 22 hexes with two gauze rifles and an ARPPC and two of those are head cappers so you've got a massive amount of damage there uh the grasshopper having a clan ARPPC we'll see how that goes the jumping around a lot makes that weapon a little bit inaccurate but it's a zombie so you're gonna have a lot of time to be able to keep slapping those weapons down and you've got three jumpers in this lance I think or not three jumpers sorry two the centurion doesn't jump but 4.6 with an LB10X and LRM10, we've seen you do that work well with that with the uh, Wolf Trap, wasn't it? I ran a Wolf Trap last year with that combo, and I've run a uh, Centurion with that combo before. Gary ran a Centurion with that combo last year. It is a really solid, really solid one-two punch for throwing some long range without drawing a lot of attention. Yeah, so I, I see that mech being okay. The speed's not bad. It's it's not the fastest mech in the lens, but it doesn't have to be. You've got the Wolverine and the Grasshopper making sure that people have something in their face to pay attention to, while the Nightstar finds a elevated targeting location. The Centurion can just go in and clean up kills with that LB10X, taking advantage of the holes that the other mechs create. I really like this Lance. Uh, I think he's going to do a lot better this year. Uh, he has a really good solid foundation to work with. And I think he learned a lot from last season. And we'll have a really good time regardless. Good luck, Chris. Yeah, good luck, man. The third of our sons of Battletech, one of our newer players, Max, is coming in this season with his father, Galen. It should be interesting to see how they stack up. He is also flying the Mercenary Colors with his Abashi's Avengers. 
Light and quick, the Vulcan 5T makes a return this season, going 696 with four medium lasers. It can't be overlooked. We had two Vulcans last year, but I think this one's got a limited lifespan. Uh, the Warhammer 7A, not a version I was familiar with. Four medium lasers, SRM-6 with Artemis. Two ERPPCs, one of which he spent his clan salvage to upgrade. And this lance brings two big boys in the form of an awesome 9M, going 4-6 with three ERPPCs. And a Sunder A, three other M5s, ERPPC, and a gauze rifle for long-range fire support. Now, originally, I was thinking of running a Sunder. I was thinking of running a different one. Um, I've gone about face, but it's a nice-looking mech. It's a solid platform. Uh, if he's thinking about using the alternate configuration, it's not the worst thing out there to be using it for. Um, I'm pretty confident that Vulcan's going to go the way of the Dodo. Uh, it is clearly the weak link in the Lance, but we'll see what his plans are. I think he can do okay. He's got lots of long-range fire support. Looking forward to see how Max and Galen do. But let's focus on Max for a minute. Um, that Vulcan 5T is going to be great. I've seen uh, other players use the 696 movement profile with medium lasers before, and it's solid. Really solid and difficult to deal with, especially throw some gunnery skills on it. Like you said, Brett, it might be a short-lived one, but I'd almost want to turn that mech into a bit of a star player. Uh, the Warhammer 7A doesn't need really a whole lot done to it for it to be a star player. It's already there, and I see a few lances making the Warhammer their star. Um, not awesome 9M. You just can't go wrong with it. It's got a little bit of a bit of an ammo weirdness you know, with the SR Streak 2 ammo being in the left leg. And the Sunder, I'm not that well aware of. Um, the 3058 Omnis, I think that's where it comes from. I kind of disregarded when I saw them because they were kind of piss poor Protomax. Not Protomax, sorry, Prototype Max. I, it's looking good. Three, It's got range to throw out. I think three LRM5s is superior to one LRM15. Part of the reason why we don't let you downgrade to multiple smaller missile launchers, well, this one comes stock, so it's totally legal. I think that one's going to work well, and if he wants to, he can take the uh, alternate configuration to pull a different type of Sunder in with some close-range firepower if he ends up in like a city fight or a high-wooded area. I think Max has a great lance. We'll see how he does in the first couple of weeks. I, uh, I like this lance. You know... It throws a lot of ERPPCs downrange. Um, the awesome 9M, like you say, the only weak, weakness really is the fact that it's an XL engine and um, that ammo in the leg. Outside of that, the Sunder is, for having a Gauss rifle and an ERPPC, it's fairly cheap when it comes to uh, battle value on a mech that's got both those. Um, and I think you're right. We're we're not going to see that Vulcan 5T for long. Um, you know, it's it's a decent one to start with, uh, going 696. But I think he has plans to either swap it out or you know, majorly modify it. Um, I think Max is going to do well this year as his first uh, year in this league. I'd have to say modification of mechs are definitely going to be on Galen and Max's minds as they have definitely been picking ours for about two months now. Now, hailing all the way back from the 90s, around 98, I think, we see the return of the Phoenix Hawk Memorial namesake, the reason why we have the Tactical Blunder Award 
as well as I think the Good Egg Award was originally created for him as well. The Flying Tigers have returned from retirement and Paul Crooks has brought his son with him this time for double the fun and possibly double the memorial moments. Now, our third Phoenix Hawk being brought in this season is a 3S. And Paul would not have been able to show up and not bring of one of these iconic mechs. I think we would have kicked him out of the building. He is running 696 movement with a large pulse laser and a pair of medium lasers. Means that it is a very good close range threat. And with an anti-missile system built in, it's got some defense options as well. We might actually see somebody take the intercept skill, guys. Another Thunderbolt, not a surprise, the 9SE is a good jumping mech. It just can't be the Flying Tigers if they don't all jump around, right? Oh, no. One mech shy. Paul's signature mech, the M4E, almost positive he used this every time. Uh, in the old leagues, it's packing a pair of twin ERPPCs with an LRM-20 and a bunch of medium pulse lasers for close-in work. And lastly, rounding out this bouncing baby's lance, we see a Victor 9B with a clanned up Ultra 20. Let's just see if it can pick up as many kills as Steven did last season. I am so happy to see Paul back in this league. He's part of the reason why I stayed even after I started when I wasn't really sure how people were going to react. Paul was such a joy to play against, it kind of locked me into wanting to play that and wanting to beat Brett, which I finally did last season. So I'm really happy to see how uh, how we're starting to pull in some of the old players. Ah, I know, Paul coming back, right? Like, uh, brings back good memories, good memories from the old league. You know, uh, his Lance, it, it, he's sticking to his name. Three of the four jump, and he's bringing back the imp. <laughs> it's, it's like the old league all over again, right? In fact, if I remember correctly, Brett, you were saying that he kept trying to put a second heavy instead of, um, you know, being able to choose anything. He, he kept trying to follow the build rules of two heavies, a medium, and an assault under uh, 320 tons. Or under 270 tons or whatever the cap was. Yeah. I'm like, no, 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 Paul, that's not our build rules. <laughs> it's BV, one of each, and whatever you want otherwise. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it's, I'm looking forward to seeing Paul play again and possibly playing against him. And he, you know, he's an old hand at this, so I think he's going to do well. His lance is well put together. So yeah, good luck, Paul. And happy to have you back, man. All right. Following the, up Paul's lance, we have another newbie to the season, to the league this season with a mouthful of a stable name that we're probably going to have to abbreviate at some point in time. We have Galen with his periphery unit, the Petulant Perry's Periphery Pirates. Now, nah, that's not too bad, actually. So I'm fine with keeping it as that, unlike some of my other co-hosts, which will probably falter on the name a few times. But starting off his lance, we have that Enforcer 4R. Um, you know, it just... It's... It's meh. It's a meh enforcer is what it comes down to. But it's 464. Uh, next, we have the Marauder 3R. So any fans of 3025 know this mech. Two PPCs, AC5, two medium lasers. But, you know, it's got that weak leg armor. Um, Brett ran one last year, but 
This time Galen's bringing it with the Gunslinger 1, twin Gauss rifles, four medium lasers with an active probe and an ECM. Uh, you know, Brett kept losing legs or getting leg hits, so hopefully Galen can do better with that one this time. And our third one of the season so far, another Banshee 3S. Yeah, everybody just wants to be like my Banshee last year. Um, so, you know, I can't have anything bad to say about it. Uh, I think Galen's going to do well with uh, some of his plan changes I, I believe he's going to have. I, I think, like you said, we're going to see both him and Max heavily use the engineer, technician, and some of those other skills that allow you to modify your mechs. Um, and then, yeah, just uh, I think he'll do decently this season. So welcome to the uh, league, Galen, and good luck with your matches. Quickly looking at this Lance, uh, Galen went very heavy on his assault mechs. They're his anchor, absolutely. And the enforcer for our, I, I think it's like the light mechs from the EBL. It is a filler mech just to get in under BV. As much as I love Marauders, and I use the 3R a lot when I first started playing Battletech, I think its lifespan in Galen's Lance is really limited. I'm pretty sure he's going to be swapping it out or doing some pretty severe engineering to it to get it to come up to league competitive standards. I really don't see fully what he's doing, but I really do like his assaults, so I think he's got a good anchor point to start with. We'll see how he goes through, through the season, and I think he's going to struggle the first couple of games, but I think once he gets his feet under him, he's going to do really well. The Enforcer, the Marauder. They're cheap. There's a reason for that, though. Um, they're both decent enough mechs, but they don't really bring a whole lot to the table. They have deficiencies. Um, I've used them both successfully in previous tournaments where you were running limited BV and people didn't expect it, but when you're running against 6500 BV, those mechs are going to go down hard fast. They don't have the speed to stay survivable. They don't have the armor to take the punch. Um, the Gunslinger and the Banshee are going to be there for most of the game. But he's going to be playing a mech or two down for the first couple of games. I don't know what his plan is. I know he's probably engineering the Banshee because there's been lots of talk of that. But I don't know what the plan for making the Marauder or the Enforcer competitive are. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what he brings to the table, though. All right. It's time to talk about Jeff's Riston's Rogues. We see a return, also flying some pirate or periphery colors. This lance is destined for good things. Night Sky 4S, fast, pulse, reliable. Grasshopper 5N. Zombie goodness with a PPC to reach out and threaten. The standard Banshee 3S. Can't go wrong. And the Cerberus 2V, twin gauze and medium pulses it's a bigger faster gunslinger what what more do you need i really like the layout of this lance but jeff why don't you tell us your nefarious plans of doom oh if i told you my plans then they wouldn't be nefarious now would they well you know no plan survives contact with the enemies so that is true um you know i'll probably do the same thing i did with the banshee last year uh engineer it um, the Cerberus, you know, we'll see how it goes with game one, if it needs anything. Uh, the Night Sky, probably going to drop the hatchet for some stuff um, along the lines of like an ECM and maybe a little bit more armor. Um, 
and the grasshopper is just it really it doesn't need anything so it might just get a bunch of skills um it, this is wasn't my first list when it came to periphery but uh <sighs> someone else stole my list you know plagiarism there was plagiarism of the list and you had to change it I just felt so dirty taking it after that, you know. It's um, it was it was just the player. It was so bad, you know. I couldn't I couldn't do it after that. It was tainted. It was it was tainted. Yeah. Don't hate the player. Hate the game. Well, if the player could play the game, we wouldn't have to worry about it. <laughs> so. Uh, let me look at this lance here, Jeff. I'm gonna put on my spectacles. And so you stole the night sky from everybody else. Totally unimaginative with the banshee. Cerberus, well, hopefully its legs are better off than the gunslingers. Really, the the only mech that I see you pulling out some real uh, uh, flavor is the Grasshopper 5N with its uh, PPC and, and medium lasers. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Jeff. You, you got a good lens here. Um, Night Sky 4S, why wouldn't you take it? Right? Fantastic. The Grasshopper 5N, I know that's one of your favorite mechs, so the fact we didn't see it last season in your lens was a surprise. Uh, Banshee 3S, and I'm going to continue my opinion on that one. Why wouldn't you bring it? And Cerberus. Uh, you can't go wrong with two gauze rifles as your long-range firepower. You just can't. Like the lance. You're going to do well. I'm going to hate playing against you, but we're going to enjoy it. I look forward to it. Our last periphery player uh, has sworn in, in, in secret there. John is flying his age-old colors of the Fallen Angels. And I will say it for everyone to hear, the real Fallen Angels. John has a much longer grasp on that team name than the person who used it in the last version of league but enough said about that john is bringing a well thought out lance so well thought out two people came up with the same lance he's bringing a mercury 2 7 with a beagle active probe an ecm and an er large laser it is quick it is dirty and it's going to play havoc with your electronic systems now, his heavy choice of mech is a 70-ton Jaeger mech, pair of Rack 2s, and two LB2X autocannons. He's got range for days, and while this mech may seem a little bit undergunned for its tonnage, wait until you see what he's combining it with. <sighs> Take a beat, breath in, and a Banshee 3S. You learned from the other very successful players and brought in a monster. And beside it, the awesome 9M. Lots of 10-point shots going down range between those two mechs, and they're going to be good, reliable firepower. He is going to be tough, and I can see why you would be so jealous of it, Jeff. Oh, there's no jealousy. What are your thoughts on this lance, then? Uh, it's a good lance you know it's like i said it was originally it's what i was going to take except for the jagger mech i was going to take either the um uh a grasshopper 5n or um i don't even remember what my other option was i was going to take but uh no it's it's there's nothing wrong with it um the 9m you know it's good um 
you can't go anything wrong. The Banshee is the Banshee. Um, the Jager Mech is an interesting choice. Um, you know, so we'll see how that goes. And the Mercury, you know, it's a little bit light on weapons, but with the Beagle and the ECM going 7 you're not going to get a lot of weapons on it. So I, I think John will do well with it still. So the Banshee, the awesome, good firepower, good support. Um, I hope he has a plan for the Jager mech. Not the mech I would have stolen because he had the choice to pick something of anything. But uh, the Mercury is definitely a defensive plan. I think he's terrified of the C3 and the C3I lances. He's making sure he has somebody he can send out that's going to be very hard to hit to try to shut them down. And the Mercury does that. It doesn't bring a whole lot else to the table, but it does definitely bring the I'm going to make your trick not be a trick pony. And the Jager mech is going to just simply be clean up. He's going to be cleaning up a lot of damaged mechs with those two rack twos and the OB two X's. Okay, someone I met playing Kill Team. Andrew has joined us. This player is possibly one of the most enjoyable people I know. He shows up and is nothing but smiles and a great person to play the game. Doesn't matter what the game. He's rolling in the St. Ives colors and bathing in the blood of Bashir. Gotta give the man credit. He's bringing a Wolverine, 7H, Ultra 5, Auto Cannon, SRM 6 with Artemis, Medium Pulse, going 585 with Mask. Not the most dangerous mech, but it sure is speedy. He's got a Warhammer 7S, rocking a clan ERPPC. Uh, St. Ives gets a free general skill, and he chose Clan Salvage for one of the BPCs. Uh, gives him a head capping weapon in the Lance. So, you know, other than that, it's a zombie with Case 2 from the upgraded PPC. Hard to argue with that. And he's bringing an awesome 9M for three more ERPPC long range firepower. So that's five PPCs so far. And if that wasn't enough long-range fire support, he's got a Longbow 7V, twin LRM-20s, and an ER Large. Um, he definitely has some long-range fire in this lance, and a Wolverine to run around and be annoying. I think he's going to have a good time. I think he's going to have a lot of fun. Uh, we'll see where he lands in the standings. Yeah, I'm looking at this lance, and that Wolverine 7H is an interesting selection when there's a lot of different other Wolverines out there. I think it might have been a BV choice. Um, it's good, Mac. Ultra Auto Cannon 5, decent weapon, um, low heat, so you're getting a potential 10 points of damage for 2 heat. Um, SRM 6 with Artemis is going to be very beneficial to him, and the medium pulse laser is good when you're in close. It's going 585 with Mask. It's going to be on your toes, so that medium pulse laser is definitely going to be able to get in there and be helpful. Warhammer with a with a clan ear PPC and a standard PPC ear PPC. Yeah, it's pretty common sense. Good move. Um, and the fact that it's now a zombie with case two with case two, that's going to even be harder to drop that mech. I like his long range choices and that longbow seven M seven V. Uh, you know what? I actually like it a little bit better than the one with the twin LRM 15s because this one has close range fire support so it can protect itself with that ER large laser. I like it. Really like it. Andrew made a very good choice on his mech selections. We'll see how he plays out on the field. 
Uh, yeah, Andrew made a great choice, some great choices this year. Uh, the Warhammer, the awesome longbow. You know, like you say, Lee, that longbow's got the ER large laser, but it's also got five medium pulses on it. So you get close to it, it still has firepower. Um, and yeah, the, the only kind of thing is the Wolverine is a little light on firepower. But who knows, maybe he has plans for it that we don't know. Um, so yeah. I think Andrew's going to do okay with it. He's, he's got a solid lance. I know when I talked to him, he was super excited to play with some mechs that he'd painted up, that he's got, uh, I think he's only got maybe two games under his belt ever. So he's definitely got some learning curve coming, but he's playing with things that he's looking forward to and his choices aren't bad considering he's got like no experience. He's got a solid understanding coming in. All right, folks, that brings us to our last and final player of the season. Your other admin rocking the St. Ives, uh, sorry, the second St. Ives Yanisaries. We got Brett, you know, um, the, <laughs> the, paint the paint scheme is quite the eye catcher. But anyways... Moving into his lance, we've got the Hunchback 4G. Uh, it's your standard Hunchback, you know, AC-20, two tons of ammo for it, two medium lasers. Uh, the Black Knight 6, that's uh, two large lasers, four mediums, a PPC, and an active probe. Uh, the Atlas A, this is the great one. AC-5, which I'm sure he's probably going to run precision ammo with, maybe, if, unless he changes it. An LRM-10 and six, uh, sorry, 5. That's right, five SRM6s. This thing is, you know, it's an SRM carrier with armor. <laughs> so uh, I know there'll be some interesting things done with that. And that, last but not least, Marauder 4A. Now I know he used his um, free general skill to black market and replaced both PPCs with Rack 5s. So it's now two Rack 5s with a large laser and two medium lasers. You know, going 353, uh, it's the only thing that jumps in the lance. But with an Atlas and a Marauder 2, you know, that's 200 tons right there. That's a lot of armor and a lot of firepower. Um, I don't know. I think he's going to have fun with it this year. And uh, the Atlas is going to be hilarious. Um, and the, yeah, there's, the lance all around is, is a decent lance. I just wish it had one more jumper in it. Looking at this lance, and it's such a huge departure from your choices last season, Brett. Um, it's almost like you took a little bit from everybody and changed it into your own thing, and then went through that over your shoulder and looked at the uh, St. Ives thing and goes, what can I do to mess up everybody's life? Oh, look, an atlas that's going to make people throw up the instant you're within six hexes. And a Marauder 4A that is going to be right beside that atlas, <laughs> spinning up the rotary cannons. Um, this is a scary lance. The hunchback is a hunchback, is a hunchback, is a hunchback. There's lots of things you can do with it. And it's the Black Knight. You guys love it. I, I, I'm meh on it. But your assaults are going to carry the day and make some amazing stories. YOLO. <laughs> I totally expected to just wander up the field with this. Um, the hunchback, 
two tons of ammo means I'm going to have at least one ton with precision, meaning that AC-20 cannot ignore two points of your defensive movement modifier, and he'll still have five regular shots. I might keep it. I might get rid of it. I don't know. I take, take cram. Yeah, you that's not cram. It will give you six shots of regular and three shots of of uh, precision. Yeah, if I do something, if I keep it, I'm gonna have to do something um, to get a third ton and then cram. Oh yeah, yeah, that'd be a good idea too. Or swap it out for like a mention. I really want to run a mention this year. Yeah, you've been trying to pull pull one of those in ever since we first started talking about the. Uh, and as Jeff said. This lance lacks speed of any kind. My fastest moving mech is the Marauder because it's got three jump. <laughs> well, yeah, Black Knight and Hunchback do move for six. They are standard mech speeds. So yeah, that that Atlas. If you take what is it, field test? That's my plan. Field test. If you take field test. There is everyone stay away from the Atlas A once he gets field test because it's just gonna be ugly. Oh, what's that? You have internal structure? Oh, not anymore. <laughs> Inferno and... missiles. Oh, <laughs> like plus and more heads. Here's plus 15 to you, plus 15 to you. Oh, outfit plus 15 to you. It's going to be amazing watching that mech go in, and I have no idea if we face each other in the regular season, but I'm hoping somebody just curb kneecaps you in the parking lot before I see you in the playoffs. <laughs> the Atlas is just literally there to be like the guy that wanders in the middle and goes, poke. Yep. Poke, poke. <laughs> it's a great mech. It's gonna be fun. Uh, it, it is fun. We we both sat here the other night trying to figure out what we could do with it, engineering to make it even more disgusting. And in our usual until this course fashion, we will be allowing Jacques to join us every once in a while to do his Jacques awards. He's got it set up for this season, for preseason and beyond. So enjoy this and we'll talk to you in a few minutes. Hello Uncivil Discourse fans, it's Jacques and while I might not be in the hot seat of the color commentaries, I'm still going to be providing you with my weekly awards for the various matches. Now, it's just been draft day. The lances have just been chosen and submitted. We haven't had any official fights yet. And my other co-conspirators have yet have just given you the breakdown of this year's teams. But over on various chat boards and channels, there's been a lot of, how shall we say, examples of ultimate nature naked male insecurity which images just burn deeply into your psyches right now we're talking full on genitalia waving smack talk so for that reason i am awarding every single team in the league a preseason award talk shit get hit it's going to be very interesting to see what teams this season can back up the smack talk with the weapons. So there you have it, fight fans. My first jock award of the season, even preseason. We'll see you next time.
Before we get into week one matches, now that we all have our breakdowns, let's take a moment and place bets on people we expect to see in the top eight slots. You can't pick yourself, and just to make it interesting, pick three stables you expect to see. I'll start. Not able to discount the returning champ, Steven, and his first Royal Guards, the Pride of Donegal. He'll be somewhere in the top eight. I'm confident our guest commentator this year, Jeff, is also going to be taking the Ristons Rogues to victory and being top eight. And I'm going to go out on a limb and pick one of our newbies in Jeff's uh, Kels Keshik. I think he's going to slip in the top eight somewhere as well. Oh, oh, I I wouldn't have picked myself for top eight last year, so I won't bother with this year. Neither would have any of us. Mm, Yeah, I noticed. Ouch. Yeah, (laughs) I'm so used to it from you guys. I've stopped listening. So top three, top eight players, in my opinion, I'm going to not copy you, Brett, as much as I want to, because you have two real obvious choices. I am going with my wife, Heather. She's going to continue being a dominant player. She's good. She knows the rules. Absolutely uninterested in the fluff, but you don't really need to know what to play the game. I think she's going to be in the top eight. I am going to give Paul Crooks in the top eight. I think he's going to have a couple of weeks of ring rust, and then he's going to start choking people out. And then uh, my last one I am going to pick, I am going to go Max. I think Max has got a game plan inside a game plan inside a game plan. If his dice are even average, I think he's going to be in the top eight. Uh, Picking the wife, Ailey. You just want to stay off the couch. She's just better than you, dude. That's why I expect her to kick your ass. Uh, She's already committed the faux pas, sir, with the naming of some of her pilots. So, Yeah, that's just bad juju. Yep. Anyways, no, I think I think Heather's gonna do well this year too. Um, my top three, though, uh, well, I wouldn't say top three, but uh, three people that I think are gonna end up in the top eight. Um, I think we'll see JP up there again with his. Uh, I agree with Brett. I think uh, Jeff is going to be up there with his uh, Kels Keshek, and then um, you know, as much as he likes to bring himself down. I think we're going to see Aaron do a lot better this year too with uh, his um, his lance. Aaron's got a very well thought out lance, actually. I, he I does. played against him preseason with a different axe man, but it still did really well. I think he might have actually decided to go with the LRM 15s because of the fact that he noticed that he, I was outranging him. And if he rolls even as half as good as it's painted, he'll do really good. Mm hmm. All right. Um, now, normally we would have some other slots in segments here, but since uh, this being preseason, let's take a look at some interesting stats that we've got coming up instead. In the pairs category, we see two of each of these mechs. Crabs. Don't say anything. Hunchbacks. Axemen. Black Knights. Victors. Salamanders. And the Cerberus. Following that, with triplets, we have the Thunderbolt, Grasshopper, Marauder, Awesome, Longbow, Phoenix Hawk, Wolverine, and Nightstar. With four of a kind, we see the Wraith, the Archer, and the Warhammer represent. And on a low end, we actually only have two stables this season running double medium mechs. 
but eight stables running double heavies. And 13 stables, which is over half, are running double assaults. There are 92 mechs this season in 23 different stables. We have 25 medium mechs with a 27% representation, 31 heavy mechs with 34% representation, and 34 assault mechs with a 37% representation. I gotta say, before you get into your next stat there, Jeff, I think that might be a sign that our BVs were too high. I, you know, thought we should have kept it lower, but... Yeah, yeah, Jeff and I wanted to play with the toys. You know, here's the thing, right? Is if you look at some of those heavies, though, some of those heavies, if you took some of the advanced ones, are more than some of the assaults we're seeing. 2152 so Warhammer. Yeah. Yep. So what we're seeing is we're seeing people go for the armor over some of the advanced tech, right? So yep. who knows? It, well, I guess we'll see how it plays out in the season. But not surprising, our most popular mech of season two so far, Banshee 3S. Seeing as we have five of these, which in its own self for the assault side of things is a 5% representation. That is heavy hard. That's a lot of walking metal. Yes. Yes, it is. Oh, for sure. I'll be very interested to see how each one is either modded or not modded. I expect them to copy you very closely. And on this note, we want to make sure that everybody remembers when marking your sheets, if you kill something, mark it down. When you get killed by something, mark it down so we can keep track of that this year. Yeah, the more information you give us, the more we can give you for stats and tracking. So please remember, mark it all down so that we can bring you all this information that not everybody gets to see while you're playing your games. Yeah, and while there's no actual award for most deadly mech, not yet anyway, we really think it's fun to know. I'm quite sure it's going to be Banshees and maybe Nightstars, but it will be really good to know who's got the deadliest mech. Maybe it's going to be a Wraith. Maybe there's just going to be one of those little backstabbing buggers shooting people in the back all day. All right, that's going to take us into the schedule for week one. Week one, game one. We might as well start this season off right with a little father-son rivalry. Uh, the Comstar Doombuds, headed by Alexander, versus the second St. Ives Janissaries, um, myself. Lee, what do you think about this matchup? Long time coming. A little bit of smackdown due to the amount of smack talk that was going on last season. Uh, I, I, I try to remember your lance exactly, Brett. I don't know what your ECM bubbles are. None. But I, the 10 Alex has definitely got a little bit of an advantage, at least on range. Early gunnery skill for one of his mechs. Um, I think Alex is going to do well. I think in the end, your experience is going to do the best and you're going to take it. But I think Alex is going to show you how just how much he learned from last season. Yeah, as much as I want to see Alex win this one, I think, uh, you know, I, I would I would give him a more of a shot if he had more units in the in the network. But I think dear old dad is still going to come in and, and take the day. His Highlander is going to have a very good day, but I think the rest of his Lance is going to have a very bad day. 
It all really will depend on what map we get. <laughs> so, on our predictions, guys, we can do this right now in front of everybody. Should we continue with the score prediction, or should we just say who we think is going to win, who's going to lose? Because I think we're always going to be under thirty percent if we don't just pick who's going to win, who's going to lose. Uh, I wasn't below thirty percent. That was a you issue. I still did better than Jacques. I'm pretty sure you and Jacques had the exact same score. I still did better than Jacques. So I think this is going to come down. I think it's going to be a slugfest throwdown. Um, I think he's going to have the Highlander at the end of the day. And it is going to be... Um, my Hunchback is dead. He's going to kill one of my big boys. And it's going to be probably a 3-2 victory for me. Oh, you're giving him better, more credit than I thought. I thought it was going to be more like a 3-1, but you've got a pretty mangled lance. Remember, the Atlas has six tons of ammo and no case yet. Yeah, it's true. Pop goes the weasel. If he concentrates on that, it's going to explode. Oh, it's just begging to be exploded. <laughs> Another reason why people need to listen to our shows. You're going to hear great hints. So, uh... oh, go ahead. Do you have more to say? No, no, I was just going to say, yeah, it's it's like the original Orion, right? Nothing but ammo. Yeah, but it's got a lot of crap in the way. A lot of things other than ammo that can be hit. Moving on to game two. Now, following that same thought of having a newbie beaten a Comstar force, we have Mass Destruction, my own stable, versus the Blood of Bashirs, newbie Andrew. Uh, he's got a great lance. I've got experience and a pretty good lance too. I'm going to say I win three to one purely based off of experience. Other than that, I think Andrew's going to play me move for move, hit for hit. I think my experience is going to pull it out for me. I agree with you, Lee. I think your experience is going to trump Andrew's lance, but I think it's going to be a three two victory for you. I couldn't have picked a better first game for Andrew to come across than the other co-admin. Um, he's going to learn a lot. He's going to have a good time. But I think it's also going to be that 3-1 Comstar victory. All right. Game three we have is, uh, you know, one of our old players against, again, one of our new players. We have the... Uh, Donru Tiger Slayers, which is, you know, Paul's son, Brandon, facing off against the evil old men in John with the Fallen Angels. Uh, so, you know, John is coming down with his dice as usual. You know, I know he got some new dice for the season. Um, I don't know if he's put the fear into them yet by executing a set or two. But uh, I think, you know, I'm going to say Brandon is going to take this, uh, but it's going to be a close match. I think it's going to be a 2-1 hmm, a for Brandon. I think this is probably going to be... Um, Brandon's got some good chops to him from the conversations I've i've had um he was almost one of my picks for top eight um but i just don't know him well enough yet 
Uh, I think it's going to be a 3-2. I think it's going to be a slugfest, and I think it's going to come down to where the shots land, but I think Brandon's just going to slip it in. I, I'm really looking at this lance, these two lances. Now, John obviously has a ton of experience, but some of the worst dice rolls of any other human being other than myself. Um, so, tactically, I think John's got a good plan. I think he understands his lance. I don't know Brandon at all yet. Um, he's coming from good stock, so he's going to have some Battletech chops under him. He's definitely going to have played some. I'm going to pull a Jacques special here, and I'm going to pull a tie. 2-2. Two -two. I mean, John is one of the few stables that's coming out of the gate ready for C3 with that Mercury. But if that Orion gets close, oh my god, those missiles. <laughs> Alright, game number four. Uh, I think we should sell tickets to this next match. It proves to be probably one of our most interesting in week one. The Free Razzle Hog versus More Pirates. Blitzkrieg Jezebels versus Ristin's Rogues. Lee's been beacon about this, so go ahead, Lee. Alright. Jeff, your lance isn't ready yet not fully prepared heathers is almost solid with no need to upgrade mechs as long as she spends a little bit of time studying her mechs before next game day and actually looks at your mechs when she's sitting across from you from the table i think she's going to give you a much bigger fight than you think and gotta put money where my mouth is i'm going to say it's going to be a 3-2 victory for heather I think it's going to be a 3-2 victory for Jeff. Uh, I think it's going to be just where it all lands in. I think the biggest determining factor is probably going to be the map. Uh, you know, Heather has much improved, and you are correctly. Her lance is in better shape to start with than mine. But really, if it came down to it, the only mech I need to modify, or that I would modify, is my Banshee to start with um everything else is is good really um it's more just tweaking things um but you know stranger things have happened i could have dice like i had last season at the very end of the season where you know i was hitting for less than 33 percent of the time on shots fired even though i needed fives and sixes you know it um hey it's a dice game um I still think I'm going to win, but, uh, you know, we'll see. Oh, I'm not saying it's not going to be a great fight. I just think her Lance is a little bit more ready for the first game. So, game five, it's going to be an interesting one. Two new players going up against each other. I think they're their first two rookies that we've had this season going against each other. We have the Free Roslog Republic up against the Pirates. Free Roslog Republic being presented by the Oni Storm Riders, Will's Lance, and they're up against those Periphery Pirates, hailing the Petulant Perry's Periphery Pirates, piloted by Galen. <laughs> that was a mouthful and a jumble clock and a whole bunch of other words I'm not going to say. Lance-wise, I'm all over Will's Lance versus Galen's. I think his is the one with the most amount of upgrades that need to be done on half the Lance. So I'm going to give Storm Riders the win only because I think they're more ready for the beginning of the season. 
Yeah, just looking at the lances, Galen's needs a, a game or two to get in a better position. Um, I don't think it's going to be a walkover fight. I just think it's going to be a tough slog, and in the end, Will's going to come out on top. Yep, I think um, Galen's got a pretty tough couple of first games uh, just because he's got a couple of really weak mechs in the lance. Um, but I'm sure he has a plan. Uh, and Will has history. I don't know him that well. He's one of our newer players. But I know he took a lot of advice from returning people for helping build his lance. Um, so I think he's better off out of the gate to see success. So I'm going to go with uh, Will on a 3-2. to two. No, nah, 2-1. to one. Will, 2-1 to one victory. Yeah, I think you got a pretty good chance on that one, Brett. A large portion because we don't know how many rounds they're going to be able to get in. So it's not may not be a high-scoring match. Yeah. That is true. Yeah, the way we run things, it's in the long run faster, but it takes a couple of games to potentially get it under your belt to be like, bang, 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 okay, this is what makes it faster. All right, game six. We have new to the league representing the Free Worlds League, we have Jeff with Kels Keshek going against going up against one of the oldest returning members so far. We have Paul with the Flying Tigers. <laughs> We're going to see how much rust he's got on him over these years. I don't know if he's played any games lately or in the past little bit, but uh, I think it's going to be a good match. Um, Jeff, though, is... Uh, he's he knows what he's doing he's a pretty seasoned player even though he doesn't have a lot of games under his belt um i think we're gonna see jeff take this uh with a 3-1 all right um i think paul's gonna find league like slipping into an old pair of loafers it's gonna be so comfortable and familiar that while he's gonna have a little bit of ring rust i think he's gonna pull out a better showing um i'm gonna say paul for the win mainly because he knows all four of his mechs before he even steps onto the battlefield there is going to be zero learning curves on the mechs themselves it might just be getting back into the swing of things which might affect the number of turns they get done in their four and a half hours but i think paul's strategic mind is going to kick in quick and he'll take them i'm gonna go three two i don't think anybody's gonna clear the table this week but I think uh, Paul's going to do a lot of damage and take out uh, Jeff's Lance quickly. This is game one. I'm calling it now. Paul's doing a DFA. Jeff's going to pull the win with like a 3-2 victory. Just beating on Paul. But Paul is going to have fun. It's going to be game one. And he's just going to use it to do Paul stuff and have a good time and knock the rest off. Game number seven. We see another two new to the league members trying to prove where they deserve to be in the pecking order as the Free World League come up against the Mercs. Jay with his Lords of the Underworld versus Max with Abashi's Avengers. Well, I did say I think Max is going to make the top eight. 
Um, don't know anything about Jay. Not, not at all. Not his ba Battletech background, not his gaming background. I don't know anything about him. Jeff didn't give us a whole lot of, uh, of uh, intel on that. Max, I think, has a very sharp mind in the engineering, which means he's probably got a pretty good mind when it comes to the tactics. I'm going to say Max is going to take the win over Jay only because with the amount of discussions and talks I've had with Max about rules over the past two months, I think he's already got a leg up on a lot of the new players on rules knowledge. I think it's going to be a 2-1 victory for Max. Uh, I think it's going to be a lower turn game uh, as they get used to just the style. But I think he's going to have just the math down on how to get what he needs to do for the first game. Yeah, I think uh, I think Max is going to do very well, you know, in the league this season. And I think it's going to start straight off in game seven here that uh, he's, he's going to take the day. And that's no smack on Jay. We don't know anything about him. His lance is definitely solid. We just don't know how he plays or how what his rules knowledge is. Yeah, I can't talk the guy up or down because I have no knowledge of him. Yep. Good, good luck, Jay. Do do well, and we look forward to seeing you and getting to know you. And then we'll have more of an opinion on how we expect you to play. Game 8. We see a grudge match, which has the Federated Sons facing off against some mercs with a plan. As we have two returning stables this game. We have Chris Crooks. No relation to Paul or to Brandon. They had the pick of the litter with first draft choice. And then we have Gary, who had second draft choice. So it would be nice to see what these two have planned for the season. And Gary's representing the Red Suns regulars. And Chris Crooks has Parker's Pathfinders. My thought on this game is Chris has learned a lot in the season we played and in the off-season by asking questions and getting some veterans' advice. Gary played really solidly all season, whether he had as much benefit or, or luck or advancement. Don't know, but I think he's coming in a little bit more seasoned than Chris. I'm going to say it's going to be a very close match with a one nothing win for Gary. I think this is going to be a game where we see the Red Suns Irregulars pull one of their patented wins um chris has a good lance but i don't know if he's got um experience with it or if he's had any practice in off season so i think he might just need a game or two to get the feel of it underneath his belt but i think it's going to be a really well played game i think it's only going to be a 2-1 victory for gary but i think they're both going to have a lot of fun Uh, see, I, I think the other way. I think Chris is going to win this uh, with a 2-1 over Gary. Um, I think Chris is going to use what he's experienced last season. Uh, and, you know, and he's already got those better mechs going for him. I think that Nightstar is just going to is just gonna wreck things. Um, backed up with that. The rest of his lance, I think Chris is going to take this one. You, you have a valid point there, Jeff. Game one starting, Chris's lance is better situated than his lance was at the end of last season. So he's definitely got the right foot forward to start off. Oh, his, his lance last season, as opposed to his lance this season, there's, I don't think there's any comparison. Night this and season, day. Yeah, it's night and day. This season's lance is so much better to start off with. All right, moving into game nine. Uh, this one is two of our new players. 
So we're bound to have a few matchups in round one. This one sees the Fed Sons versus more Mercs with Tinman's Tin Cans in the form of Stable Master Justin versus the War Club that has Stable Master Calvin. Um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting match. Looking at this Lance setup between these two, I think Calvin has the really the massive advantage. I was watching us them play in the Grand Melee, and Calvin just seemed on the ball. I don't know how much Battletech experience he has, but if he's has zero, he's an avid reader and picks up quickly. If he's got a ton of experience, it's going to show in this first game. Um, Justin's got a good lance as well, but I'm going to give it to Calvin. And no, I'm not just casting up to our venue. I really do think Kelvin's got the better advantage in this matchup. Uh, I got to agree. Kelvin's definitely got more experience. Um, as far as I'm aware, the only Battletech Justin has played was in the Grand Melee to determine uh, preseason uh, draws. So while he's got amazing enthusiasm, I think he's just going to need a few games to get everything under his belt get the way that the the strategy and the tactics how everything works and runs um i don't think he's going to get walked over but i think he might make a few tactical errors at the beginning uh i think it's going to be a lower turn game probably around 12 and i think it's going to be probably a 2-1 war club victory yeah, I think Calvin is going to win this one. Um, I think it's just with the, going to be the fact that Justin doesn't have a lot of games under his belt uh, and is just going to take a couple of games to get used to uh, playing how the league is and getting into Battletech. So I think Calvin's experience is uh, is going to carry this for him. Yeah, for all of our new players, it, it is pretty much widely accepted that it takes some time to get used to things and get just the feel of it so we are happy to have you and we're going to do our best to make you successful and let's see where things go with game 10 reenacting the civil war we have some fed sons on leer and violence for match 10 folks uh we'll see who comes out on top this time laura running the thumpers of revenge versus chris chris m's vandals valkyries I'm just trying to start figure out where to start for this. Um, last season, I think all of us were really cheering for Laura, and she did ver a very good job of being a really solid team. I, when I played Laura, I noticed how aggressive she was and how she liked to really get into your face. If she does that this getting this first game, Chris is going to eat her alive. It's going to be a lot like watching Piranhas attack a very, very small defenseless goat um, except she's bringing all the LRMs I know so she shouldn't charge in that doesn't mean she's not going to um, she's just an aggressive player and, and I'm not against a change in style I just don't know how it's going to work out if she stays back Chris has got a lot of work ahead of him because he's going to have to weather that storm they're, they're almost like perfect opposites You've got really big, heavy, close-range firepower, and you got a lot of long-range flipping coins here. I'm going to say Chris is going to win it on a 3-2. to two. Yeah, I think 3-2. to two. Um, Because once he get, if he does get in close, I think Laura's going to panic a bit. I think this is going to come down to map. 
is going to play a huge factor in this game. Um, you know, if if it's an open map, fairly open map, Laura's mechs are going to have a field day just raining LRMs on Chris's mechs. But if you get something with enough cover for him to move forward, Chris is just going to keep moving forward and weathering that. <laughs> Once all those AC-20s and LB-20s get into play, oof, stuff's going to go down quickly. Um, in the end, though, I do think Chris is going to take it, but I think it's going to be a 4-2. Interesting call. First uh, four-way win. Um, absolutely. It is totally going to be map-dependent. If Thumper can just lay down the firepower, she's got a good chance of a 3-2 victory. If it is a map where Chris can spend six, seven turns just getting there without taking too much fire, and then all of a sudden pop out his whole lance at medium, medium-ish range, then he's going to have a good day. Um, it's going to be 3-2, one way or the other. It's going to be mostly map dependent, so it's hard to call. Um, I got to go with family though, so I'm going to go with Thumper's Revenge. Yeah, that's a really solid choice. Like both of them are very good players, so it's going to be diff interesting, not difficult, but interesting to see how it plays back and forth. But it was a diff definitely a difficult call to decide who was going to win. Okay, everybody, after listening to us for this very long and much anticipated episode of Uncivil Discourse, we have a great announcement we want to pass on to you. As of the time of this recording, we are at 94 subscribers, six shy of 100. And if anybody knows anyone that loves Battletech or tabletop gaming, try to get them to join our channel as it helps us move up and helps us get more information for you guys as well thanks again for your patience and tuning in this time uh preseason is always a longer episode so we thank you for staying with us to those that are still here at the end and we look forward to another exciting season two of the calgary battletech league with all of our players and our viewers thank you that's right folks thanks for sticking with us on this extra long episode like brett said you know opening season uh so we look forward to seeing all of our members at the next game and the rest of you we'll see you next podcast have a good night hello youtube fans this is your old buddy jacques with a very special announcement thanks to a very special member of our community who has requested to remain anonymous we have some extremely exciting news this member painted and donated a lance for us to give away as a random prize to you, our subscribers. And let me tell you, these mechs are even more beautiful in hand than they are in the pictures. Painted in a Free Worlds League purple, this League compliant lance includes a Phoenix Hawk, a Rifleman, a Warhammer, and the Immortal Atlas. Now you may be asking yourself, Jacques, how can I win such an amazing prize? Well, the answer is simple. 
Any new or current subscriber to the channel can comment on any of our videos with this spot in it to be entered for the draw. Now, because we are a growing little community with aspirations, or some would say delusions, of grandeur, we will post the mechs to the winner in Western Canada at no cost. If someone in Eastern Canada or outside of Canada wins the draw, we will be happy to cover the first $20 Canadian for the shipping costs, but ask the winner to cover the balance. We will get you a price quote for the total cost of shipping beforehand, and we can discuss if the winner wants to get the Lance, ship to them, or pass it on to another subscriber instead. Please keep this in mind when entering the draw. All you need to do, as I said before, is like or comment below. We will do the draw when we hit 150 subscribers. Yep, that's 150. Each video you like and comment will get you an entry to the draw. We'd like to say thank you all very much, and we look forward to hitting that next major milestone with you, the fans. Coming at you like a shot to the cockpit. Good night and lights out.